Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Armor Report on a Saturday weekend review for all Armor Insiders and all YouTube subscribers. Thank you guys for being here. Um, we got a lot to get to. We got a lot to unpack. This is going to be lots of fun. Um, let me give you some quick ground rules before we get started. Let's try to get this thing underway. This is a show about quantum mental investing. It's in the stock market, right? It's a combination of quantitative execution, fundamental foundation. That's the information edge that I'm trying to share with you every time I come on this channel. I call it the Armor Report. It's algorithmic risk management research. Everything we do begins and ends by managing our risk and then capturing upside when we see the opportunities. All this information I'm going to share with you is information I use in my own personal portfolio, information I use to manage portfolios for individuals through our interactive brokers uh, relationship. Um, I'm not telling you what stocks to buy, right? I don't know you guys personally, so I couldn't possibly give you investment advice and say, go do this. What I am doing is sharing my experience. I've got over 30 years in the business. I've been in the trenches taking grenades, and I'm going to share with you hard-fought rules for helping you build your net worth by investing in the stock market, okay? Um, I have started for you a website in case you don't know it already. Right down here, you can subscribe. It says armorreport.com, A-R-M-R report.com. Go check it out. Consider becoming an Armor Insider, and I'll share information like this on a constant basis through our Slack chat during the trading session, and of course on the website updated frequently. Um, so let's get to today's action. So we can review, it's a crazy week. I had a picture up there of a chart for you when this show first started of the S&P 500, looking at the SPY ETF, going back to 2009. And I'm gonna get to that in a minute because I think it, has significant relevance for the market we're in right now and understanding why I call this the mechanical bull market. Before I jump into that, I want to do a quick recap of what the armor investing way is all about. The armor investing way breaks down into three simple stages. The Armor Investing Way, number one, the first stage is to take companies that you have an interest in and put them on a whiteboard, not invest in them right away, okay? I've learned this over the years. One of the biggest problems for investors is that you find an idea you like. You watch CNBC, you read something in the paper, maybe it's a product you use, and you think this is a great idea, and you run out and buy it because you think it's a great idea. The market doesn't care what you think. So the first step to protect your capital is to put a buffer between your emotions 
and your portfolio. So you use a whiteboard first. Throw every idea up there you like. That's fundamental research that you want to do. And you keep refining that whiteboard with fundamental research to make sure it's a name that deserves to be there. That's step one, stage one. Stage two, use quantum mental algorithms to help you find the buy points and the sell points. That's what the Armour Report's all about, right? We have quantum mental or quantitative algorithms that we've written that we use to drive all of our buy and sell decisions. And I share that with Armour Insiders on a constant basis throughout the day and on the day and the, and the, the wrap ups at the end of the day. Or if an insider wants to call me, they have access to call me one on one. Those algorithms are designed for the volatility, top day and multi day, for each index we follow. We follow the seven big indexes to, to help us determine market direction. Seven out of 10 stocks follow the market. That's just a fact. So you've got to align yourself to market direction. And we use these seven indexes. I call them the Magnificent Sevens, the S&P, the Dow, the NASDAQ 100, the Small Cap Index, the Momentum Index, the Value Index, and the IBD 50. That covers it all for us. So we use execution algorithms to tell us when to go long the market or raise cash. Then we have algorithms for indexes, particular groups that we have an interest in. Could be technology, could be utility, could be biotech, could be energy. And once we get those signals telling us, yes, we got to focus on this space, then we drill down into our whiteboard, find the companies in those groups, and use an algorithm again to tell us, is this the right opportunity? Is the probability high enough? Is the reward versus the risk we're taking adequate, more than adequate? If all that happens, we execute. And so stage two is about execution research. Stage one, fundamental research. Stage two, execution research. Stage three, I have learned over the years, and it's hard fought, right? And I got tiger scratches up and down my back from 30 years in this business that you have to manage your risk using progressive stops. The first stop we call um, principal protection stops. The second are called raise stops and the third are called profit protection stops. And that stage is the risk management research. So you have the fundamental research stage one Execution research stage two, risk management research stage three. And that's how you build a portfolio and increase your net worth over time in a meaningful way. Okay? So that's what this show's all about. Now let's dive into market direction. I've been telling you guys this is a mechanical bull market and it's going to keep rolling on. I keep having fun with these billionaires who've been telling you from the, you know, for the last couple of months, the market has to tank and go back to the March lows. So I'm just going to keep beating up on them because it's fun. Um, um, clearly the jury's out. Okay. What happened this week 
with the non-farm payroll number, which I'll get to in a minute, I don't really care what the number is. I care about the reaction to the news, not the news. The reaction was to gap up the market above the 200-day moving average. So what we have now is the NASDAQ, the S&P, the Dow, and the small cap index all trading above the 200-day moving averages. And the Dow and the small caps gapped above it on Friday. So take a look. I'm going to get to this in a minute, but let's just look at, you know what? I'm going to do something different. Hang on a second. Let's go there instead for a minute. Okay, we'll use this chart. Take a look at the Dow, DIA. Okay, this is a gap above the 200-day moving average right here. Okay, and IWM gapping above the 200-day moving average. And you can see the SPY already has gapped above the 200-day and run. And, of course, QQQ is challenging the all-time highs. So all four major indexes have gapped or moved above the 200-day moving average. Okay, so it's a bull market. Even if the market reverses now and sells off, all of those people who are telling you not to buy the market for the last two months are completely wrong. Right. They've missed a massive bull market. Why is it a massive bull market? I'm going to explain this again for those of you who are new. The markets go up and down since 2008. The markets go up and down based on liquidity. What is the Fed doing? What are central banks doing around the world? If they're adding liquidity and lowering interest rates, the market goes up. This is not rocket science. This is actually pretty easy. There's always going to be fears out there, always uncertainties, always concerns. The market climbs a wall of worry. You've heard that term. So you've got to turn off that noise and just look at the facts. When the Fed is adding liquidity, the market goes up. Now it's time to look at that chart of the S&P because it doesn't get more real than this. I want you to see this closely. I highlighted this a couple weeks ago. I want you to see it again. Look at this green box here. This is a gap up and go above the 200-day moving average right there. I want you to take a mental image of this picture. This is what the market did in 2009. It bottomed in March of 2009, rallied to the 200-day, had a little bit of a correction, gapped up, and never looked back. It never closed that gap. At the time, this was the beginning of quantitative easing. No one had ever heard of quantitative easing before. Take a long look at what the market did after that gap and go above the 200-day moving average. You would have runs and tiny pullbacks and runs and tiny pullbacks all the way up. This lasted from here to here as a 15-month run before the market had an 18% correction that was, that was brought on because the Fed QE ended 
quantitative easing ended and the market dropped 18%. Okay? So now you be the judge of what you think the market is doing going forward. The Fed intervention right now, the central bank intervention around the world right now is bigger than any time in history by a factor that is unfathomable. And on top of that, you have government stimulus packages in the trillions. So now let's go look at the chart today. Remember that chart you just looked at. Let's go look at the chart today. You ready? Check this out. Okay. Let's look at where we are today in the S&P. Look at the similarities in this pattern, ladies and gentlemen. Look at the similarities. Okay? Market bottoms in March. Rallies to the 200-day. Bottoms in March 23rd because the Fed announced unlimited QE at a level no one's ever heard before in history. The Fed's literally buying ETFs. The Fed's in there buying bond ETFs. Those ETFs are stocks that trade on the exchanges. The Fed's buying stocks, guys. Ran the market right up to the 200-day, had a little bit of a consolidation sell-off, just like in 2009, gapped above the 200-day, and is accelerating. In fact, there's two gaps that it's left behind. Another gap here, another gap here. So to end this part of the discussion... I don't know what's going to happen next week. There's a couple of gaps recently. And so my guess is that the gaps are going to be closed, those, those, those ones that just happened. These, look. Let's, let's look at this again, make sure we're on the same page. These gaps here, see this gap here from Friday? There's a gap here. Okay, these probably get filled. This gap, the green box, I don't know if it's ever going to get filled. It certainly didn't in 2009. Now, we all know that history does not repeat. It rhymes, it doesn't repeat. So none of what I'm saying is a guarantee. But if you're trying to understand why the market is surging like this, all you have to do is look back to 09 to get a guide. What am I going to do next week? Okay, tomorrow, Monday, what am I looking for Monday? My trading posture on a Monday morning after a huge Friday gap up on a non-farm payroll number, let's, let's be honest, isn't, isn't really a big deal. I'll get to that in a minute. What am I going to do Monday? I'm going to look. Look, I already have portfolio, right? We've been making a lot of money in here. Even though last week the metals were down whatnot, we've made a lot of money. We have stocks going up in the portfolio. We've added utilities. They were going up big. We've added IBM and AT&T and Verizon. Those stocks are going up. So, I'm not chasing this market. If you look back at that market in 2009, there were, there were sell-offs that would last for three or four days, right? Two, three or four days. Bang, 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 market would go down. Make you think that the rally was over. And then, boom, buy the dip and the market would skyrocket. So there's no way I'm chasing this market. And I thoroughly expect the non-farm payroll number to get sold on Monday. In fact, if the market gaps up Monday morning, I'm going to be looking short. 
for a day trade for a couple of days. Okay? But long term, but long term, the the rip current of capital coming into the market because of central banks is real. And so what you want to try to do if you've missed this, if you're not an armor armor insider yet and you've missed this, or you're a new armor insider, okay? What you want to try to do is get your whiteboard ready and then wait for sell-offs that last a couple days instead of being afraid of those sell-offs. Instead of saying the end is here and the retest has started, what you should be thinking is, hey, I'm getting an opportunity. Gap closures and then reversals. That's what you want to look for. And you want to look for that hoof print of a bull market, which is weakness early in the week, strength into the weekend, which happened again this week. All right. All right. Let's move on. Non-farm payroll real quick, and I'm going to get to questions, okay? Or I'm going to talk about gold for a second. But non-farm payroll number. Um, personally, I, I don't know why uh, um, the analysts, uh, economists were so unbelievably wrong on this number. I think it's kind of a bit of a joke. If you look at the amount of people that were rehired, it's almost the same amount of people that were kind of furloughed while, they, while, while people were waiting for their loans from the government to hire them back. So, I don't really know what that number is. I, I mean, for the market to skyrocket on that number just tells you that the market's desperate to go up for any reason because of the rip current of cash coming into the system. And it doesn't matter what the number. I submit to you that the market would have been up anyway with a bad and non-farm payroll number. It would have been up anyway. I really believe it. It was just an excuse to jam it even higher, but it would have been up by the end of the day Friday. Because a bad number would have meant more and more and more QE, which means the market goes up. And this good number isn't really that good if you look, at, look through the headlines at what happened. It's not like the whole economy is up and running already, although I do believe that the economy will be up and running before the end of this year. We're not going to have another pandemic where, where the economy is shut down. We might have another pandemic, but they're not shutting down the market. Let me tell you something. Most of the business that's done in this country is done in the second half of the year, particularly the fourth quarter. So you want to shut the economy down in the first quarter. I don't know exactly the statistics of this, but, you know, the first quarter is 25% of the calendar year, but might only represent 12% of business that's done. Most of the business is done in the back half of the year. So you could shut down the economy early in the, in the year. But you cannot shut the economy down going into Christmas. I don't care what's happening. So how fast the economy reopens, you know, the type of world we're living in, I don't know all these things. Nobody does. But what I know is the Fed's adding liquidity at a ridiculous pace, and the economy is starting to open at a certain degree. So do I run out there and buy the beat-up sectors that were up huge in the last two weeks? I don't. You can. And you can certainly swing trade them. You can own energy. You can own airlines or, or whatever you want and swing trade them. But what I'm trying to do with my port, personal portfolio and for money I manage is to build um, um, a portfolio that I, will be, that I believe will dramatically outperform over the next one to two years or however long this bull market lasts. And for me, those stocks are always disruptive growth, technology type of names. I know the last couple of weeks, 
you've had the beat up sector run. That's okay. That's great. They can run. But let me just share with you a little thought on distribution, overhead supply. When a stock is in a massive downtrend, it can easily double off the low. I mean, it goes from 10 to 20, but the stock used to be 80. I mean, it could do that. And so I'm not, this is not about day trading or swing trading. Have at it if you want to hit those stocks. But from an investing standpoint, there are so many people trapped in a lot of these terrible businesses and names at higher prices. And so when the stocks surge up for a week or two, selling meets them as people breathe a sigh of relief. They could get out of this thing at a loss of only 20% instead of 50. It's called overhead supply. So on a long-term basis, a portfolio full of companies that are, that are clearing price bases where there's only success. In other words, there's no overhead supply. Stock's making a new high. Those stocks tend to run and outperform in a bull market because the only people who own them are people who are making money in them. There's no natural seller versus stocks that are down huge. Typically, the turnaround stories that I like to buy are companies' stock prices that have based for at least six to nine months, preferably 12 months, because that by then, the overhead supply is diminished. All the guys that were caught have probably sold for tax loss selling purposes over the 12-month period. And so now you can start to see a breakout because there's just not that many people left that own the stock at higher prices. Okay? But people stuck in airlines that got destroyed are desperate to get out of these things. So you'll have rips higher, and then the rallies will be capped as the stocks settle back in as natural supply comes out. All right. So to me, investing is about opportunity cost of money. I can't buy everything. So I got to buy the things that I think will outperform over a long period of time. And that's why I focus um, on high relative strength stocks and all those types of things. All right. Wrapping up uh, precious metals real quick. Precious metals had a reversal Friday, in my opinion. I'm going to keep this part of the conversation brief because I don't like to be prognosticated. I don't know what's going to happen next. Okay, a lot of guys in my business do that. We come out and say, this is what the market's going to do. I don't know what it's going to do. I can show you what the market did in 2009 through 2010 and ask you to think about it. I could be wrong. So the armor investing way is research fundamentally, execution research, and risk management research. So we don't get caught with our egos thinking we have to be right about the market direction, okay? But I do share with you my thoughts of what I think is going to happen. And so for precious metals, we had two weeks in here where the paper market could dictate to physical. The end of the month, every month, you get the roll in futures from one month to the next, and it creates natural pressure. So we got that. The first week of the new month, we always get non-farm payroll numbers. That big economic number gets gained. I don't know why. It's just the way it is. Okay? So it's typical on a big NFP number for the metals to go down, particularly the, the, the stocks, GDX, GDXJ. Let's take a look at the chart. Here's GDX. Okay? All right, 
we're basically in here somewhere um, right around in here is where we're buying stocks. 23rd of, of, of March at the Armour Report. We had a huge rip higher. It's only natural to have a pullback, guys. It's only natural. It has to happen. And if you notice, it came right back and touched the original breakout, which is this green line right here. All right? And closed actually above the 50-day moving average. Okay? So we hit the lows in the morning and rallied the rest of the day in GDX, closing at or above the 50-day moving averages, both the SM and the EM. Okay? Standard moving average, exponential moving average. That's a totally normal sell-off. Now, you guys remember, certainly the insiders do, as these stocks were skyrocketing, you kept asking me, can I buy it now? Can I buy it now? Can I buy it now? And I said, no. The time to buy it was late March, early April. Now it's in the stratosphere. It's trading above the third or fourth standard deviation above the 200-day. You have to wait for a pullback to the 50 or a consolidation at higher levels. So here's the pullback to the 50. Totally normal. Nothing strange about it. If you look at the physical market, and let's take a look at, I don't like GLD, SLV, but I'm just using them as examples as a way to look at the price. Okay? I don't like them as investments, but look at the price. What, somebody explained to me what's the big deal about uh, gold selling off back into this little range right here. It's just in a consolidation phase right now. It's done nothing. The metal itself is completely contained in an uptrend. Totally normal action. Take a look at silver. Silver is even better. Silver skyrocketed out of this pennant we talked about a few weeks ago. And so it's just pulled back to the 14-day moving average. It's not even down to the 25-day moving average. Totally normal action. Okay? So what do I think is happening next week? I think that the two weeks where the paper market could control physical are behind us. And I think the physical market will start to reassert itself. And that market is as tight as ever, both gold and silver. So I expect higher prices. And we'll see. That's what I expect. I don't know what's going to happen. Next week is key. If these stocks recapture the 50-day moving average and move higher off of that base, then all you had was a perfect sell-off to the 50 to get rid of the excess exuberance. Okay, if that doesn't happen, then we're going to have to reduce exposure. We reduced a little exposure in the last couple of weeks, right? When it ran up big, we reduced some exposure. When it went through a stop, we reduced a little more exposure. We have a core position on now. And now we see, what do we want to do with this core? If it recaptures the rising 50-day, we might want to add positions back into the portfolio, depending on how much exposure you have. I don't know. Okay? So next week is key. The last two weeks, totally normal to me. If next week is really negative, I'll have to rethink all of that. And I'll talk to you guys about it next weekend. All right, let's get to the Q&A. Um, A couple of, couple of uh, chart patterns maybe I'd just share with you that I think are interesting that are at the top of the whiteboard. 
I keep uh, chasing after Netflix, and I'm still on it, okay? I think the stock is making um, – let's take a look at Netflix here. This is just for the fun of it, and then I'll get to your questions and your charts. All right, this is the pattern I'm looking at, and I keep fighting this because my stops are a little bit too tight. I step out and I step back in, but I do think that this five-point rectangular breakout – is going to edge higher at some point. You're going to see the stock move higher. Now, if it breaks below in here, you know, really below this green uptrend line, I would cut the, I would cut bait. Okay. But it's had a little double bottom right at the 50 day moving average during the period where the airlines and the cruise ships are rallying. This stock is sold off some. I think if this bull market is to continue, if this bull market is to continue, the leadership sectors have to reassert themselves. They can take a couple weeks off to consolidate big moves, but then they have to reassert. If that happens, that'll be a footprint of the mechanical bull market. If the leadership breaks down, I would say that's not a footprint of a bull market and something nefarious is afoot. So I'm watching that stock closely and I'm also watching um, I'm also watching, just for the fun of it, Microsoft. This is a, a classic to me. I mean, you could call it V-bottom, but it looks like a cup and handle to me, and it's breaking right out of that tight basing pattern. Okay, and then you can look at Adobe, for instance, another leader. Right? Stock's breaking out to new highs in here. These are NASDAQ 100 names, right? So I'm just looking at the NASDAQ 100. Is it going to top out? At the, at the peak of uh, um, February, or are these names about to break out to new highs and drive the market higher? That's the question on my trading desk. And I may participate in those names because if they break out and run, I'm going to want to own them, okay? If they fail, tight stops. Okay, um, maybe I should just get to work real quick because I know you guys have followed Slack um, and work with us. So let me just tell you this. I know I meant to get to Q&A, but let me just get to this real quick. Okay. Okay. So this was the original entry point for Armor Insiders, 23 and three quarters, right here, right on the 50-day moving average. Okay. It skyrocketed. Now let me explain something to you guys. Okay. I'm going to put you on the meat, as they say at Wicked Tuna. If you guys watch that show, it's one of my favorite shows on Nat Geo. Okay? I'm going to put you on the meat. The armor investing way of research, fundamentally the whiteboard, execution using algorithms, is going to get you on the meat. And then you've got to execute correctly when it comes to risk management. I'll share with you, Armor Insiders, what the stops are. But when it comes to booking profits on an asset that's up 60% in front of earnings, that's up to you. You can book partial or all in front of that earnings announcement. And I did share with you guys, Armor Insiders, look, I'm booking profits up here, and I'm going to hold the core. That's what I did. Now, I don't like to share with you what I'm doing percentage-wise. How much am I booking percentage-wise? It doesn't matter what I'm doing. You have to determine what's comfortable for you and do it every time. That's the key. 
to make probabilities work in your favor, you have to have a uniformity of how you invest. You follow me? You can't pick and choose, well, I'm going to cut this one down 10% for earnings, but I'm going to cut this one 50. Inevitably, the one you cut 10 will collapse, and the one you cut 50 will be up 100%. Okay? So do the same thing every time. Figure out a number that gets comfortable for you. Do the same thing every time. And the law of averages will work in your favor. Okay? So um, I thought that earnings announcement from Slack was quite frankly great. I think that the, the, the biggest knock on the company, which short sellers love to talk about this company for the last 12 months, is that Microsoft's going to ruin their business. Well, okay, that, that narrative is over. That negative narrative is dead. Because as you heard on that conference call, they've cut a deal with Amazon. The entire Amazon company is using Slack, and they're working with Amazon in China. So first of all, the total addressable market for Slack is enormous. And Microsoft's going to do well, and Slack's going to do well. I mean, it's enormous. It's not a one-company business. But now aligned with Amazon, this is just a no-brainer. So stock got whacked for you know short-term reasons based on stuff I'm not going to go into right now. But the bigger picture of their business looks great to me. And they reduced guidance. That's the reason. I'll go into that. They reduced guidance going forward because 20% of their business is small business revenue. And they don't know what's going to happen with the pandemic to small businesses. Are they going to open or not? What's going to happen? So they've lowered expectations. If the economy opens up the way we think it's going to open up, well, all they did was set up for great earnings announcements in the next couple quarters when their revenue comes in better than people expect because the, um, the economy opened and the small businesses are starting to get back on their feet. Okay? So anyway, let's get to Q&A. Thanks for spending time and letting me chat like that. I'm going to go to the top and we're going to see what happens. Um, start going through questions. Any thoughts on G? Okay. Tech monkey, GRWG. Uh, let me see. I, I love the stock. We own it at $3 and 50 cents. Okay. Uh, Armor insiders know this. We own it at $3 and 50 cents. This, this is the chart. I'll show it to you real quick. Um, so we're in here right around here, um, buying the stock right in here. So now the stock has you know, gone above seven. It's six and three quarters. I couldn't possibly come on here and tell you buy the stock at six and three quarters. Okay? So I will share with Armor Insiders the next time I think there's an entry point in this stock. But it's a small cap stock, and I don't like to talk about it a lot on, on YouTube. because so I don't want you guys to, um, you know, I don't want to drive up the stock price. So I think it's a great company. I'm not a buyer right up here. I'd love to see some type of a pullback or a consolidation up here that allows us to have a second entry point. Okay. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at with that stock. Um, hello, Ethan. How are you, my friend? Glad to have you. Albert took profits on work right before. And it's a good time to get back in or more correction. What do you think of? Okay. Marvel. All right. Um, so I've talked about work. I do. I think it's a good time to get back in. Um, I'd like to see a little consolidation set up down here, proving that the $30 level is going to hold, 
right? The stop should pretty much be somewhere around 30. Could you, you could call it 29 and three quarters, but 30 was the big breakout. The stock ran, gapped down. There's some people trapped. It's going to have to work that out. But yeah, let's just take a quick view of the, of the chart again. Um, so you see the 50-day moving average is 30.07, and the breakout's clearly 30. So they might come down and try to rinse all those stops that are right there. Okay, so I wouldn't get stopped early in the morning. I'd like to see how the thing trades if it goes through it. Does it close back above it? And then that might set up an entry point. If the thing just reverses and goes back up immediately, you know, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't know how to help you with that because from a risk management standpoint, I would say I, I almost never, if not never, buy a stock that's just gapped down 15%. Like there has to be some type of a structure that gets me to, to buy the stock again right now. I think fundamentally it's a good company and there'll be another entry point at some point. Uh, Marvell, M-R-V-L. Semiconductors. Well, I mean, the stock is skyrocketing. Okay. So um, I, I don't know exactly your, your question here. I mean, I certainly am not a buyer of a stock that's skyrocketing. I like to buy things that have, you know, I mean, look here, just to put it in perspective, this is two standard. Let's put it, make it four. Okay, you're four standard deviations above the 200-day moving average right now. So I think the stock looks great, but I mean, I'm certainly not a buyer of it here. All right. Um, NASDAQ 100, Ethan's new level to beat is 10,000. I mean, you know what? You know what's interesting? I meant to show you this chart, actually. Let's take a look at the NASDAQ um, the NASDAQ composite, because this kind of concerned me two days ago. And then totally look, look down here in the bottom um, where my arrow is. Okay. The day before Friday, Thursday, we had a huge distribution day on the NASDAQ composite, which is usually very bearish. Now you need, if you're an O'Neill acolyte, you know that you need a series of distribution days to put a top into the market. Distribution day is when the volume on the down day exceeds the volume on the up day of the previous day. And this was a huge one on Thursday. So I thought, hey, man, that could be trouble. And then look what happened Friday. The volume on Friday was a massive accumulation day, totally dwarfing uh, um, uh, what, what looked like a big distribution day the day before. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't usually pick price points. I mean, I don't know where, you know, where the market's going price-wise, 10,000 or whatnot may get there. Who knows? I don't usually pick price points because then that, my ego gets in the way. And if it misses the price point by $10, you don't book a profit and you end up losing money because it didn't make the number you thought, you know? So I try to stay away from that, but certainly looks like the market's going higher. It's a mechanical bull, big breakouts uh, everywhere. And names like Adobe and Microsoft and you know, these names are breaking out, just driving the market higher right now, you know. And I do think that anybody who's missed this bull market is going to jump on names like Netflix and Microsoft. I think they're comfortable in those very liquid names that have great business models that are performing right through the pandemic. And so while it's fun to trade airlines, real institutional money is going into the names they're most comfortable with. And that's my opinion. Um, let's see what else we got here. 
What stocks is the Fed buying? The Fed's buying literally um, um, LQD, which is the ETF of corporate um, investment grade bonds and uh, um, uh, the, the junk ETF. What's that? Um, high, the high yield junk ETF it might be JNK. Okay. So they're out there literally buying stocks. I mean, those are stocks. Those are exchange traded funds that trade on, you know, New York stock exchange. They just happen to be backed by, you know, by debt, but the feds literally in there buying stocks. Okay. Um, GNUS. What do I think of GNUS? I got a lot of those questions this week in the Slack room. I, I really, um, I don't have much to say about GNUS. I looked into the company, it's a Beverly Hills company that has to do with uh, entertainment content for toddlers. Um, anybody who has kids and has the Llama Llama, You're My Mama books, <laughs> that's what this company does. Um, why is the stock skyrocketing? The secondary they just announced brought the stock back down, which is a good thing to do a secondary. Um, I, I just don't, I don't have much interest in the stock right here. Maybe that secondary will put a, a little damper on the stock and it'll create a, a base that's worth buying, but I certainly am not a buyer in here. Okay. Um, you know what I think about Hertz, guys. I have no interest in, in buying a stock that um, is in bankruptcy. I'm glad if you guys are doing it and you're making money, have at it. But if you're asking me the armor investing way, we try to manage risk and we have an opportunity cost of money, and there's no way I'm going to be putting assets into those types of stocks, which doesn't mean you can't trade it. <clears throat> Don't forget the Armor way, what I'm doing with those portfolios that Armor Insiders see on the portfolio page is I'm trying to build portfolios that I think I can hold for a long period of time if the market lets me during a wicked bull market. Now, if you want to trade stuff, that's different. You can trade almost anything if you pick it up right. All right. Um, rig. We're talking about Transocean. Ethan's asking about Rig, Transocean. Okay, all of these stocks look exactly the same. Let's take a quick peek at Rig. Okay, all of these stocks, these energy stocks, look exactly the same. They had to rip off the bottom because the economy is opening faster than people thought, and the non-farm payroll number was decent. Okay? You can look at that chart. I know that another insider out there, um, you know, Chris was all over Schlumberger, and that thing is trying to run, although I'll note that it closed at the bottom of its range. Um, so this is my thought here. Like I was trying to say a minute ago. Stocks that are in wicked downtrends like this have massive amounts of overhead. Okay, people are trapped and can't wait to sell this thing. So can it have a run? Absolutely. But what I'm looking for are bases that are bigger than this. Now, that's just my opinion, guys. Right. You're just asking my opinion. I'm not saying you can't make money on energy. You probably can. But that's not where I'm focusing my investment dollars. Not right now. I'm looking for a broader base where I feel like the overhead is not going to get in my way. And I certainly, I can tell you this with a fair amount of certainty, there's no way I would chase these stocks as they run up into overhead. 
if you want to own these stocks, you got to wait for the days where they get whacked back down to close gaps, right back down into bases. And then they might start making patterns that look even, you know, look good to me. But I certainly wouldn't chase these names. All right. Um, Jason Abbott says, too much money on the sidelines. That's true. There's just too much. People are trapped and they've missed the market and they're going to keep running until the Fed changes the rules. Um, what do you got for me, guys? China and, and Luckin. I have no interest in China and, and Luckin. I don't, have any, I don't have interest in any Chinese companies, guys. None. I got too much I can do in the U.S. where I can trust the accounting and I can talk to management. Period. Full stop. Any thoughts on oil, um, Oxy? Yeah, I know Oxy was up 30% on Friday. I mean, clearly there's some short covering going on in all of these stocks. So the way this is going to work in energy is you're going to get short covering. You get one or two day moves that are enormous and then the inevitable sell off to retest. Think about the cannabis stocks. You're seeing the same thing in cannabis stocks. You get a rip for a couple of days, maybe even a couple of weeks, and then the selling comes back in because there's just so much overhead. And the business model hasn't really changed that much yet. Same thing for energy. So much overhead. Business model really hasn't changed yet. So you're just getting guys covering shorts, trying to make swing trades. And that's just not where I, where I like to live. Okay. Jasmine, I finally remembered your handle. <laughs> uh, IIPR and Gilead. Okay. IIPR. Um, it doesn't get any better than IIPR. I mean, we just nailed this stock again. Okay. How much fun is this? Armor Insiders, I hope you're enjoying this one with me. Okay. So what I, saw, what I said to you guys for weeks, and this is, you know, in fact, let me show you the other picture. Let's take a look here. Here's how we invest in this stock. If you guys remember back here, the start of this year, I said this will be the best performing cannabis company, bar none, okay? And the stock ran up 37% in eight weeks. Okay, I did a YouTube video on that day. You can go watch it, all right? We booked profit. The market cratered. The stock came down. You all started to say to me, when are we going to buy the stock back? I said, we're going to buy it back when the company announces a secondary. I spoke with the management team. They told me they're going to do a secondary. I'm waiting for the secondary. All right, so the secondary happened right here on the 27th of May, and we put it into our armor portfolios. Stocks walking higher. Let me explain why this happens. Most secondaries, companies raise money, and the payback for that dilution, current shareholders get diluted when you bring out new shares. So the dilution brings the stock price down. And it usually takes, I don't know, it could be 12, 18, 24 months before investors see a payback on that dilution. Okay? In this business, for these guys, they raise money. And they don't say we're raising money for property, plant, and equipment. They don't say we're raising money to, for SG&A. They're not doing any of that. They go to the institutions and they say, look, here is a list Here's our backlog of all the cannabis companies in the U.S. that need capital and want to work with us. 
And here is a list. Here are all the letters of intent from these 10 companies. So if you give us $100 million, we're going to go place that $100 million with these 10 companies over the next six to nine months. And the payback is insane. I mean, you're just never going to find that in a REIT. They're in a unique position right now. There's no competition in earnest. They're the only company on the New York Stock Exchange that can invest in this way. For now, that's a risk. It might change at some point, but for now. We have a captive audience in cannabis companies that can't raise cash easily any other way. For now, who knows? There might be rules that change. Okay. And so it's this perfect storm for this company. And what I like to do is buy it every time they do secondary, which is what we did. We're making money. We paid 81 and change, 82, whatever the price was uh, on the armor portfolios. And um, stock's 93 and change now. So I don't know exactly what you want me to say, Jasmine, other than stock looks great and I think it's going higher. You know, my rule is if something is on the armor white, um, if I put something in the armor portfolios and an insider misses it, at the price that I bought it. I mean, look, when I put it in there, there's a reason. The quantitative algorithms I work with have just said, this is the best probability entry for us, where the reward's worth the risk and the probability is the greatest. So over time, Armor Insiders are going to get comfortable with this. Over time, that's the day to put the biggest position size on. That's how I run my money. And then as the stock goes further and further away from that buy point, you can book some profits, reduce the position down to a core, and let that ride as long as possible. If the stock is more than 5% above the entry point that we added to the armor portfolios, I mean, you're on your own. I say, you know, you can add it if you want, but that's not the armor investing way because now you're too far away from the stock. And no matter how much I love a name, like I do this stock, if it hits stops, I'm out. Okay, I tell you guys what I love, but the market doesn't care what I love. Okay, so we have to read and react, as my high school hockey coach used to tell me. I was a goaltender, I was a netminder. Okay, got to read and react, son, read and react. That's the way to manage money correctly. We can come up with ideas, we can think that we, you know, we know where the market's going or where stock's going, but we've got to use risk management rules to protect us from ourselves. Okay. Um, other question, Gilead. Jeez, man. I, I, I like the stock. I like the stock again. You know, um, all the stock has done is pulled right back to this uptrend, put a double bottom on the uptrend, and close above the 50-day. So it's an opportunity cost of money. If you have cash available, if you're running a conservative account, the stock has a good dividend. I think it's a good business having nothing to do with remdesivir and COVID. They have a good business. They have a good management team. They're turning the company around. That's why that stock was always on my whiteboard. Okay. We bought it, you know, we bought it down here when, when, um, the virus, you know, uh, stories, that was early, that was late January when the virus story started because we thought they might have a cure, and they do have a cure. I thought the stock would be a lot higher on that cure. I was wrong, all right? So it went below the 50-day, and I got stopped out. 
So it's just an opportunity cost of money now. It, it's not a bad idea. And I'm, the only problem for me is I don't know how to, to, to manage the risk of the remdesivir headlines. That's my problem now. So if I run out there and buy it and there's a study that comes out that doesn't meet an endpoint and the stock goes down, I can't deal with that. So are there better investments out there in the, in the healthcare space, the drug world? I'll show you a chart. Take a look at this chart. All right. They both have similar dividend yields. You know, for a similar dividend yield, maybe I want Bristol-Myers. The stock's right above the 50-day, nice consolidation. I love that chart pattern, and I don't have to worry at all about what's going to come out next. I mean, look at that chart pattern on Bristol-Myers. That's, I like that chart pattern. So I'm not buying the stock right now, Bristol-Myers, but, you know, there's an example of, a, of another medical stock so I, I, that, that doesn't have any downside from COVID stores. There's no upside either. Now, who knows? Maybe there's another study out there that remdesivir is the greatest thing ever. I don't know. So I'll leave it up to you, but I do think this is the right entry point if you, if you wanted to do something. Um, what else do we have here? These stocks of hydrochloroquine drugs, the real drug for, do you really think, Jasmine, do you really think that hydrochloroquine works? I keep reading about studies that are being halted because people are dying. You know, but I mean, if you're looking for a name like that, it's got to be Teva Pharmaceutical because Teva Pharmaceutical is a good company on its own right. That's T-E-V-A. Okay. So, I mean, I, we've tracked Teva for a while. It's breaking a long-term downtrend. The management team is turning the company around. I mean, you know, that would be my answer for you on that, that issue. All right. What do you think of... CrowdStrike. Okay, Abbott, let's take a look at CrowdStrike. You know, I, the, the, obviously the chart's, you know, too far away from any buy point. I mean, I like the company, and certainly um, cybersecurity is a major issue as we all work from home. And so that's the theme this thing is riding, but there's no entry there for me. Um, how about oil and airline predictions? Okay, I've already done those, I think, right? I'm not a buyer of those stocks. They're tradable, though. 5G, any thoughts? Okay, on 5G, Jasmine. Well, the 5G stock we added recently, you know, is QRVO, okay? So Cuervo is our favorite way to play 5G at the moment. Whoops. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're in here, right around in here, we're in QRVO and the stock is running. You know, I'm not a buyer of the stock now. We bought it cheaper. I'm just sharing with you where we are. You know, I also, my favorite 5G name is, you know, probably Sienna, but the stock is too far away from a buy point. Um, and, you know, I do like LITE. And I think that chart is set up correctly. Okay. Um, uh, thank you for that, um, Kular. Kalur. Thank you for that, even though I butchered 
the pronunciation. Excuse me for that. Um, question. You please look at uh, ASPS, Mortgage Service Company, Killing the Housing Troubles, ASPS. AltaSource. You know, I'm going to have to do a little work on that. The stock ran right up to the overhead, which is a 200-day moving average. So I wouldn't be an, I, I wouldn't look at that chart and say I'm going to add it here. Um, I don't own any of those names, but I could take a look and see if it can make it into my whiteboard. Um, what else do we have here? All right, Jay, you're asking me what I think of, of oil and airlines. I think I've a answered the question, but I see you asking me um, a couple of times. I, I think you could trade those assets, but there's way too much overhead, and that's just not where I want to place my capital. So investing is about opportunity cost of money. I can't own everything. So what I'd rather own are uh, companies that have business models that are performing right through the pandemic, because as this bull market continues, those stocks are going to lead, in my opinion. Even if you have a couple of weeks of a rip off below for these other names, they're not businesses that I want to own. I didn't want to own airlines before the pandemic. So there's certainly no reason why I want to own them now. As investments, you can trade anything. Okay, same holds true for Boeing. Take two, TTWO. Now there's a name I like. The stock had a nice sell-off. Wow, right back down to its base. Hmm. Let's take a look at take two together. That question comes from David. There's the weekly chart of take two. So you see a huge base that's been building since 2017. And the stock blew out, and I think it had earnings, didn't it? Yeah, so street treated the stock poorly after earnings, ran up in front of it. You know, that's a stock I ought to put on my list. Thanks for that. I'm going to put that on my list and start tracking it. It might make the whiteboard. So, Jasmine, you're asking me, if, if I see another two months up for the stock market, which category is going to go up the most? I believe it's going to be disruptive growth and the leadership sector. That's what I think will go up the most. Boeing is right on, you know, airlines, Boeing, Occidental, all, all of those names to me were great trades for a couple of weeks, but not long-term investments for me. Not that you can't make money there, guys, please, right? You could certainly make money in those names. It's just, you're asking me my opinion of where I'm going to put my dollars and I'd rather put my dollars in businesses that have high margins and a moat around their business. So it makes it very tough for competitors. That's what I like. You know, Boeing's got a moat. There's no doubt. There's only one other competitor, but it's just not the kind of business model I've ever owned, you know, and that's been a mistake during certain periods of the market. It goes through the roof, but there's just other names I'd rather own. That's, that's all I can say there. Um, do you think acreage might be a buy now? Recent um, CGC talk. Not for me, Tech Monkey, not for me. I don't have any interest in Anchorage. I know about the deal and everything, but 
Um, the risk reward is not good enough for me there. No, I'm going to stay in U.S. cannabis companies. That's where the money is right now, right? Buying grow generation at three and a half stock is, you know, above seven this week. Buying IIPR, having the stock break out. Those are the names I can make money on. All of these Canadian cannabis companies, they're just stuck in a quagmire right now. And I think it's dead money for the rest of the summer. And we have to get to the next earnings announcement to see if some of these guys can show better than expected results. You know, and we might get bases that show us opportunities in front of the next earnings number, just like we did this time. And we bought CGC at 15 and a half and sold some of it above 21 and sold the rest of it at 17 and three quarters. We made good money there, even though the, the, the quarter was terrible. So let's wait to see if we get another setup and then we can try them again if we want. Okay, in a mechanical bull market, do you use tight stop loss or loose stop loss? I definitely use a more lenient stop loss in a mechanical bull market for the core position. I might cut the position down on a tighter stop, but then I'll use the, the most lenient uh, as, my, as my core um, for the core of my position. Because like you say, it's a mechanical bull market. And in that market, you know, most stocks are going to go higher. And so you want to try to avoid getting whipped out of something. Okay. Still holding Splunk. One of my favorite ideas. Yes. One of my favorite investments. What do I think about GAN? I don't know. I don't have any opinion on GAN. Oh, yeah. The UK-based entertainment company. Okay. Here's my opinion on, on GAN. Okay. I, I do have an opinion. I looked into this. Probably a great idea. But this is an armor investing rule that I'm going to share with you. In order to use algorithms, don't forget the three stages of armor investing. Fundamental research, put it on the whiteboard. That's where GAN can be right now for me, on the whiteboard. But in order to use quantitative algorithms for execution points, I need more data than a couple of weeks. I really need six months of trading. Typically, new issues come public make a base over the first six months, and then you get your real opportunity. There'll be a lot of whipsawing during those six months. You could trade as a swing trader or a day trader, but for an investor, I need a base of at least six months, and then I can start putting positions on that I think I can hold from an investment standpoint. All right. Um, All right. It's just looking through last last questions here. I got to wrap this up. All right, Brett. Um, cannabis momentum killed by CGC. Uh, Southeastern ninety nine. I think it was killed by by by, um, by CGC, and I think it's dead money for the rest of the summer. That's my opinion. I think those stocks will make bases, and we can buy them again the next go round and try it again. But for right now, I think they're dead. Um, Yeah, Jay, right? I mean, why would I ever buy a Chinese stock? I don't get it. Where, okay, where do you see the recent run heading um, for IIPR? Um, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have price targets. I don't know where stocks are going. I don't know if a stock is a swing trade or a long-term hold. The stock will tell me that. I'm just going to ride my stocks up with trailed stops. Could be the 25-day or the 14-day or the 50-day moving average, whatever you want to use, 
You could use a combination of all three. Cut the position down as it starts to lose momentum. But as long as the momentum's there, I'm going to let it go as long as it can go. Um, <laughs> you want to see me play the cello? Ethan, that's my wife's cello. My wife. And she'll come play it one day for us. How about that? She said she would. She, I talked to her about it. She said she'd come play for us one day. Um, I can't tell you, Billy, if you should invest in IIPR or not. I don't know you, so I can't possibly give you that advice. Um, thoughts on MDB. MDB. Take a look. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like this company. Um, develops and sells subscription to a modern general purpose e-database platform, whatever the hell that means. Um, here's the chart pattern. And there's the earnings announcement. It ran up into it and it's selling off after it. It's kind of like, you know, what happened in work. Um, so this might give us a shot, right? Let it come back down into the base, set up a new um, a buy point, and you, know, you might be able to have at it again. All right, guys, last questions here. Let's just try to rip through them. Um, you're asking me, Tech Monkey, about a 401k. Is it better to invest in an ETF or a mutual fund due to higher fees? Are you? Um, uh, thank you very much for that comment. I appreciate the sentiment. Um, uh, you know, I six of one, half a dozen of another. I, I mean, I'm not... I don't manage 401ks, you know, I, I manage rollover IRAs and things like that. Um, and I never buy mutual funds ever. I'm always an ETF guy. So I guess that's my answer. Um, X, XSPA. Um, intellectual property portfolio. Not my gig. I don't invest in intellectual property portfolios, but I, you know, I don't know the company, so I'm just saying what I what I do. Okay. All right. Thoughts on Nicola? I'm gonna skip down to that question. <clears throat> Thoughts on Nicola? It's on my list now, and I'm going to watch it. Okay. It's on my list to be watched on the whiteboard. I get it. I get why people like it. Um, but I, I'm not chasing things that are that hyped. I, I need some type of weakness in the midst of strength to buy it if I liked it. I'm not sure it's a business model that I like, but if it was, <clears throat> I, I wouldn't be chasing it right after the deal's done. That's my opinion. You know, but then again, just to be fair, so you all understand where I where I stand, um, I haven't liked Tesla all the way up. So maybe you shouldn't listen to me when it comes to Nikola. But I mean, I've just skipped Tesla the entire way up, and that was a complete mistake on my part. So, um, <coughs> online betting ETF, the ETS. Okay, you could try it. I mean, I'm I, I don't usually buy ETFs to invest in them. I, I usually find the best companies that are inside the ETF and I buy the, the, the best company. That's just me. 
All right, guys, fuel cell. My last question is going to be fuel cell. I haven't looked at that in a while. Huh. Chart starting to look interesting. But I really, honestly, um, who asked me about that? Albert, I, I don't, I haven't done work in so long on fuel cell that I can't possibly give you good information there. But I appreciate the, the heads up because that chart pattern looks compelling for a $2.60 stock. But I mean, I don't know anything about it. So I, I can't, I can't talk about it right now. I'd have to go do some research and maybe I'll do that and speak to you guys again next Saturday. Thank you all for being here. I really appreciate it. Don't forget, subscribe right down here to this channel. If you haven't already, take a look at the Armor Insider. You can subscribe to the Armor Report. Go to thearmorreport.com. Thank you all for joining me. Have a great weekend. Take care, guys. Oh, all right, Phil. I haven't signed off yet. I already talked about Slack. <laughs> You're going to have to go back and watch it, brother. I'm sorry. But we had a long discussion about Slack. Um, I think the earnings announcement was actually great. I think they've reduced guidance going forward, which means they can beat the number if the economy opens the way we think it's going to open the next couple of months. All right. So there's my thought there. All right, guys, have a great weekend.